now, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hello, people. Hopefully we did this good. Somebody less than perfect. Can you hear this okay? Something out of nothing. I don't read my name in lights. I'm famous in my father's eyes. Make no mistake, he knows my name. I'm not living for applause. I'm already so adored. Yeah, I am. It's all his day. He knows my name. All right, welcome to the show, people. Feel free to share this out. We're going to let this play through as the platform's rolling out. I'm meant to be a lion. Yeah, I will. Truth to who you are, you saw my heart and made something out of nothing. I don't need my name in lights. I'm famous in my Father's eyes make no mistake, he knows my name. I'm not letting fall apart, I'm already so adored. It's all his day, he knows my name. Yeah, my allergies have been bugging me today. I don't want to be famous. Are you kidding me? I like this music. That's Francesca Battiselli. Yeah, it is. I don't know what CD this was on, but it's called He Knows My Name. Yeah, it's a good song. I really like it. <clears throat> anyway, ah, welcome to Sunday night's show, Bible News Radio. Hey, last night we had a great guest. Uh, yeah, we did. We had the author of 
interview with the Antichrist, his hour has come. Jeff Kinley. If you guys did not see that show, oh my gosh, you really need to go and see the show. And Jeff told me after we got off the air last night that if you go to his web- website, jeffkinley.com, and you send him a question about the Antichrist, and he uses his question in his podcast, he will send you a free copy of the book. Yeah, he will. And so I just want you to know that um, I've read about 50 pages of the book. This book is hard to put down. I did put it down to interview him. And I haven't been feeling good most of the day because I have a sore throat and my allergies are really bothering me. So if I look a little kind of like paler than normal, <laughs> whatever. I think I'm dealing with allergies, seasonal allergies, because here in, here in Spring Hill, you know, it gets really super cold, and then it gets warm, and then you have tornadoes, and then it gets snowy, and then it gets cold, and <sighs> anyway, needless to say, I woke up this morning with post-nasal drip pretty bad in my throat. And um, <clears throat> so if I clear my throat, but drink lots of water during this first part of the show, that's why. Bareface, I think, is dealing with the same thing, aren't you? Yeah, well, except in July, you can pretty much count on the weather to be consistent. to be Consistently hot? Hot and humid. <laughs> maybe, maybe a thunderstorm, severe <laughs> thunderstorm, tornado. Yeah. But, but pretty much, temperature-wise, pretty consistent during July. Yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, so let's talk about, okay, so if you didn't see last night's show, just go watch the archive, okay? Um, Don't forget, also, this show, I may as well say it right now, this show is brought to you by Ariel Ministries. Uh, We may as well throw that right up there, first thing, right off the bat there. Ariel Ministries, awesome ministry. You guys are totally missing out if you're not getting the issue of series. Just saying, you need to go to ariel.org, use that coupon code. Bible news and save 20% on everything that you buy in the store there. Definitely worth it. If you're a serious Bible student, this is a great place to get Bible studies, Bible study materials, commentary, um, stuff that's going to make you a better disciple. It's going to help you grow in your faith. And what I can tell you is I'm using the material uh, out of the Yeshua series um, in my um in my in my Bible studies that I'm teaching. I'm teaching two Bible studies, one locally, one online. And, you know, the feedback I get from the ladies that I'm teaching is just like, this is like the best stuff ever. You know, I didn't know this stuff. It's making my walk with God better. I'm totally understanding it. So just check it out. Okay, people. <laughs> All right, the other thing is, uh, if you want to donate to our show, Bible News Radio, you know, we are not a nonprofit, uh, and that's evident by our by by what we make. But anyway, <laughs> but if you want to bless the show, you want to bless Randall and I with some money, you know, because you like what we do, feel free to donate over at BibleNewsRadio.com. We appreciate every donation. We we realize it's a sacrifice to donate to, to people, um, and um, we don't take your gift lightly, so thank you for that. And also, um, tonight I want to talk to you a little bit um, about something. Uh, Two things. First of all, I'm going to read you out of Luke 22. There's a couple of things recently um, that have come up in my life 
um, in dealing with some people that kind of spurred the first part of the show. And then the second part of the show, Randall's going to talk about, what are you going to talk about? About Israel or something? Yeah, Romans chapter 10. Yeah, okay. So what I'm going to talk about um, um, is a couple of things. So, so this week I'm actually presenting twice uh, about Legal Shield and identity theft. And today I was watching some um, YouTube footage of Frank, Frank Aber, 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 Abgernail. Abgernail? Abgernail. Is that how you say his name? Uh, Abgenail. Talking about the... Uh, the Catch Me If You Can guy. Yeah. So uh, you guys remember uh, in tw- 2002, this movie Catch Me If You Can was made. Well, anyway. Abigail. 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 Ab- like like, like a, a big, big nail. nail. Yeah. Pretty Nailed sure it. it. <laughs> that was funny. I'm going to have to write that down, though, so I don't screw it up when I do this. But anyway, so anyway... Um, only, so, it's, only it's not a big, it's a bag, a bag nail. Okay. Yeah. You can go Frank. away now. Yeah, okay. anyway. All right. All right. So anyway. As so, you were. So we, I was, <laughs> I was doing um, some research. I got his brand new book, Scam Me If You Can, which is actually an interesting book. And there's a quiz in there. There's a 19 question quiz on, you know, basically to see how smart you are about getting scammed and stuff. And I got, um. I got 17 correct of the 19. And it's only because I study this issue, right? But I learned some stuff uh, in watching his presentations. And uh, one thing I want to just announce here, just because so, because I know, I know that nobody here knows this. I know none of you out there know what I'm about to tell you, just so you know, because I know you don't know it. And I, I already know that. I'm confident you know that. So, so here's the thing. How many of you have ever heard of Trusonia? Trusona, rather. You have you ever heard of it, Bareface? I did today. Okay, but, aside, but before that, you didn't. No. You had never heard of it, right? Put a two if you've heard of this, okay? Wherever you're at. I don't even know where you're all at. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, I'm going to look over here. I want you to write this down, people, as well, Okay. I want you to write down this word, T-R-U-S-O-N-A, Trusona. Okay, nobody, see, nobody's putting anything. So I know none of you have known this. Hey, Barb and Mia and Eva, so Eva, I'm sure you're Melanie, but whatever, if you're really Eva, Eva. Uh, anyway, so Trusona, this is the, the thing. Okay, so... If you've never heard of Trusona, let me tell you what it is. Trusona is a, um, it's, it's the future, okay? How many of you get sick of passwords? Yeah, you do. Everybody hates them. And you know what? Here's something I learned, and you're all going to learn this right now because I'm going to tell you. Even Bareface doesn't know this. I already know this. So, Bareface, is it true that if you make a super secured password, that hackers are not going to get it. Like, mm. it, you're going to go ahead, you're going to make, you know, like, like, like JFK, 1-4, dollar sign, ampersand, period, pound sign, dot, dot, dash, capital L, J, K, P, whatever. 
It's not that they can. It's that they they won't. They won't spend the time because the the hacking uh, software that's out there um, is going to start with dictionary words first, and then add. anyway, the there's no there's no such thing as an unbreakable password uh, or unbreakable security. It's just that you know most of the world's hackers go for the low hanging fruit. Yes, um, however, what you just shared is completely wrong. Okay. Completely wrong. And I agree. See, I, I thought that before I read his book and before I took the quiz in his book. So here's the thing. It doesn't matter how secure you make your password, people. It does not. You know why? Because on the dark web with all these breaches, those passwords are sold. And so these dark web people, they, they get the password handed to them. So it doesn't matter how secure you make the stupid thing. Well, it doesn't. Do, well, okay. I'm just telling you what the expert said. All right. Okay. Well, as someone who spent 20-some years in information technology, some passwords, yeah, they're stored as clear text. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They're, they're sold. But good systems store an encrypted password. And in which case, it's a little tougher without knowing what they call the seed. The point is that if stuff is encrypted, most likely it's not going to go on the dark web. Stuff that's going to end up on the dark web is clear text. In fact, right. every alert that I've gotten from ID Shield yeah. has been clear text. Yeah. All right. So here's the thing. It doesn't matter what your stupid password is because if there's a breach, which is always caused by a person doing something wrong, not by a hacker. That's another thing I learned. If there is a breach and it's sold on the dark web, then the criminals are buying the passwords. So your password doesn't matter how secure it is. It's going to get somebody's going to be able to break in. Okay, so this is where TrueSona comes into play. What TrueSona is, is it's a brand new password, or it's actually a passwordless um, system that is going to be probably completely rolled out by 2022. Okay, and the video that I saw Frank give this interview in, he was talking about 2020, but actually if you go to the website, if you go to TrueSona, that's T-R-U-S-O-N-A dot com, if you go truesona.com there's actually a video on there and the founder of it he basically talks about how they are planning on having this thing rolled out by 2022 now this is important because um because we know that um that there has to be a one world government first of all we also know that there's going to be a chip and you know all this stuff is going to happen in order to trace people um, because the Antichrist is going to have some power and, you know, and all that stuff. Um, and the whole buy and sell thing, you know, we're not going to get into all that tonight. But I will say that there is a need to have your identity protected. And so I just want to throw this out here. You know, there are solutions that are coming, but in the meantime, before these things go mass market, you still need to have a service like ID Shield. And even Frank Abbegnail has... A service. He didn't say which one he has, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's mine. Um, that actually monitors uh, your stuff. Also, Bareface, I did discover this too. Apparently, it is now a law. It was just passed at the end of last year that every state in America, you can now freeze your credit for free and unfreeze it as well for free. 
So they did pass that. Every state? Apparently. Hmm. Apparently, according to the thing that I uh, that I saw, the last thing that was done at the end of last year and with this guy. He said it was passed, so... Right. Yeah, and one thing to note about the TrueSona <coughs> technology is the FBI has been using it for... For a while. For, for many years. But the 2020 is talking like the consumer grade. Well, by 2022, though, is what the guy... Or that, 2022, yes. Yeah, is what yeah. this guy said. But here's the point. You still need identity theft protection Indeed. for so many re reasons. So if you don't have it yet, get in touch with me. We can talk more. Okay, so now I want to talk a little bit about... Um, friendship and being betrayed by friends. So I was thinking about this because in my uh, Bible study that I've been teaching, one, a couple of them, um, and, and not just my Bible study, but just, you know, talking to lots of people, uh, a lot of people, um, well, let's just say most people have been betrayed by a friend, okay? And some of you people are betrayers, okay? Well, let's just say it. we're all betrayers, okay? We're all guilty of not being the perfect friend to somebody. So there you go. That's flat condemnation for all of us, right? We're, none of us are perfect. You've been a scoundrel in a relationship, and I have too. Um, okay? But tonight I want to look at Luke 22, and let's look at this passage here. Of course, I read the New American Standard Version. Um, <clears throat> It says here, beginning in verse 1, Now the feast of unleavened bread, which is called the Passover, was approaching. The chief priests and the scribes were seeking how they might put him to death, for, for they were afraid of the people. Okay, first thing I want to point out here is that this is the religious leaders. You guys know this. The chief priests and the scribes. Okay, first of all, the chief priests were the chief priests. Like These were like the head honcho priest religious people. And the scribes were the people that wrote the Bible, people. <laughs> I they mean, copied it, yeah. they copied the Bible. They had to copy it perfect, too, by the way. So these were your religious folk. Okay, we'll just call it that. Um, and the religious folk who hung out with Jesus and the disciples and, and all the crowds and stuff, they were all there, right? But and, and many of them pretended to be a friend of Jesus, right? But just, I want you to think about Christ, okay? Think about Jesus and who he is, because he is amazing, okay? So the chief priests and the scribes, the people behind the scenes, the religious folk, here they are, they're, think, they're, they're seeking how to put Jesus to death. They want to kill Jesus, right? The perfect son of God, the lamb of God who, who takes away the sin of the world, the guy that came down, he was born of a virgin, like, you know, he, he never did anything wrong. Not one thing did he ever do wrong, ever. He never sinned. He was completely perfect. You know, he never insulted people. He never, like, sinned. He never had, he never acted out in anger. He never gossiped. He never lied. He never did anything wrong. In fact, what Jesus did was, like, totally the opposite. He encouraged people. He lifted them up. He healed them. You know, he proclaimed to them hope you know, and salvation, and, you know, and all that. And yet, here's the religious folk wanting to kill him, okay? So, and, and why why did they want to kill him? Well, because it says here, for they were afraid of the people. What people? The other religious people. People? That's what they were afraid of. Ah, anyway, so it goes on to say, and Satan entered into Judas, who was called Iscariot, belonging to the number of the twelve. Uh, and he went away and discussed with the chief priests and officers 
how he might betray him to them. Now, I don't know about you, but if you just step back just for a minute and you think about this just for a second. Okay, so Jesus, he, he had all these interactions with people. And Judas was there. He saw this. The religious people were there. Let's just take the feeding of the 5,000, just as an example. Or the wedding at Cana, you know, where he changed the, the water into wine. Or he called Lazarus back from the dead, and everybody knew it. Here's Jesus, right? And yet, here's Judas going to the religious folk, and they're all having a conversation about how they can betray Jesus, you know, the perfect one. And in verse 5, it says, they were glad and agreed to give him money. This is the religious folk, people. This isn't the atheists of Jerusalem of the day. This isn't like the ACLU or the National Organization for Jewish Women, or, you know, whatever, the, the pro-aborts of the day, or the gay community who was plotting to kill Jesus. This is the religious folk. This is the chief priests. These are like the Bible printers of the day, you know. These, these are like the top leaders of the day, like equate it to our Christian leaders of the day and, and the top Bible printing or Christian publishers of the day. That's who these people were, right? Can you imagine if that happened today? All of a sudden, Thomas Nelson Publishers decides it's going to go after Jesus and kill him, you know? I mean, it's like, <laughs> by the way, just so you know, Thomas Nelson is actually owned by unbelievers now, but whatever. It, it's the point, right? It's not like... It's not like the gay community is going after Jesus to kill him. It's the religious folk. And don't miss it because that's super important. So in verse 6 it says, So he, con he consented and began seeking a good opportunity to betray him to them apart from the crowd. So don't miss this either, okay? Because Judas's betrayal was completely intentional. And this happens with people as well, Right. Um, you get in a relationship, let's say you're in a church situation, you, you become part of the family of God in the church or whatever. There are some people who will intentionally go behind your back and they will set out to try to destroy you. Okay, so this is a warning for you. That's all I'm saying is that, you know, I love God's church, right? I love his people. But there are a lot of tares among the wheat. There are a lot of wolves among the sheep. And <clears throat> and they seek out, you know, the Bible says that the devil's like a roaring lion. He seeks out who, who he can de devour. And this is what Judas was doing. They consented with the religious leaders and they began to seek a good opportunity to betray him. Okay. Then in verse seven, it says, then came the first day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And this is where the understanding of the Jewishness of scripture comes into play. And Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us so that we may eat it. And they said to him, where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, when you've entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a picture of water, follow him into the house that he enters. And you shall say to the owner of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large furnished upper room, prepare it there. And they left and found everything just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. So here's Jesus telling Peter and John, two of his besties, 
hey, you know what? We need a place to have the Passover. Go do this. This and this is going to happen. So it's really, you know, did Jesus talk to this guy beforehand and, and set it up? And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, I remember when Jesus said that. Or was it a prophetic word and Peter and John just did what Christ said? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. The point is, is it was done. In verse 14, then it says, When the hour had come, he, referring to Christ, reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now, at this point, you have to understand that the disciples had no clue what the heck he was talking about. They were completely blinded. They didn't get it. They didn't comprehend it yet. They, they, and they didn't say anything, but they did, they wouldn't dare because, you know, they've learned not to question Christ too much. Even prior to this, though, the Lord had been telling them, you know what? I'm going to die. I'm going to die for the sins of the world. And it went poof, like over their heads. And the Bible says that they were actually kind of blinded from hearing it. Um, and this is another thing. Again, you're not going to, you don't see any commentary from the disciples there, the apostles, because they didn't say anything. Um, <clears throat> but what Jesus says is very important. So when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And keep in mind, again, he hadn't given his life yet. So they were like, huh, what are you talking about? I don't quite get this. Um, <clears throat> and in the same way, he took the cup <coughs> after they had eaten, saying, this cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on the table. For indeed, the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to discuss among themselves which one of them it might be who is going to do this thing. So, again, here is a very, this is kind of commonly referred to as the Last Supper. And was this the cup of redemption that he was doing barefaced? I know you kind of know this a little bit better than me, right? Yes, because it tells us this was the cup after they had eaten. Yeah, that's what I thought. Which is, in, in a Passover Seder, has been established. We don't find it in the book of Exodus when <coughs> Passover meals is initiated, but in in, in <sighs> Jewish tradition, the, the cup after, after the supper, the third cup is the cup of redemption. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so. anyway. So all this stuff takes place and um and Jesus, who they think is stupid, he calls it out. This is what I like about God, right? Jesus calls it out. He says, But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is mine on the table. With mine. Is with mine on the table. For indeed the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to discuss among themselves which one of them it might be who is going to do this thing. Now, this is important because do you think Judas was there going, huh, I wonder who's this going to be? Pete, what do you think? John? Um, hmm, do you think it's uh, Philip? 
you know, or, uh, I guarantee, if, I bet you, if we could see what happened, Judas was probably leading that discussion. That's my guess, right? Because think about it. People who betray other people, they don't want anybody to know. That's why they do it under the veil of darkness and in secret. That's why they hide behind the shadows. That's why they're covert in their abuse of people and their betrayal because they are betrayers. They are Judases. And you can actually see this carried out in real life with people. Some people are covert abusers. They will abuse people behind the scenes. You see this all the time in domestic violence, right? Or the so-called perfect abusive family where kids, and that's what I grew up in, you know, my parents, my mom in particular, abused me behind the scenes. But if somebody came over, it's like, hey, everything's great. You know, let's go play cards out backyard, you know, and have a party. But behind the scenes, it was nothing but abuse. You see this in alcoholism. You see this in domestic violence. You see it in drug addicted homes. In fact, here's another fun fact for you. Do you know that identity theft is is part high with um, prostitution, just as an example, and drug abuse? You know, all of this stuff, whenever there's some type of betrayal or abuse going on, usually it's hidden and it's covert and everybody's like, oh, it's not me. I haven't done that. You know, are you kidding me? But even in scripture, we see this, right? So, but then this continues. And remember, we're, we're here um, in the book of Luke, which is written in chronological order. So it continues to go on to say, and then there arose also a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be the greatest. Now, I don't know about you, but they had just come off this conversation <laughs> and now there's some dissension among them. Um, and he said to them, uh, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who have authority over them are called benefactors, but it is not this way with you. But the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest and the leader like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. But he said to him, Lord, with you, I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And he said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. And he said to them, when I sent you out without money, belt and bag and sandals, you did not lock, lack anything, did you? And they said, no, nothing. And he said to them, but now whoever has a money belt is to take it along. Likewise, also a bag. <clears throat> and whoever has no sword is to sell his coat and buy one. For I tell you that this which is written must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors for that which refers to me has its fulfillment. And they said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. And, um, and then, um, and then it says, and he came out and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives and the disciples also followed him. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and began to pray saying, father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. 
Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow and said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. While he was still speaking, behold, a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was preceding them. And he approached Jesus to kiss him. (coughs) But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Okay, so let me stop here just for a second. So we have a couple of um, harsh words from the Lord for Peter. Uh, We see crowds coming. We see the disciples being rebuked because they fell asleep when Christ needed them. Notice the ministering came from an angel, not his his disciples. Uh, But now, coming back to becoming, like, intentionally betrayed, Judas shows up and he kisses the Lord. In the Hebrew culture, this is extremely important. This isn't just, you know, a kiss of, of, like, you know, just out of the blue. Like, hey, you know, um, you know. In the in these cultures, kissing on the cheek is a normal thing, but this was a warm custom among real friends, right? And Judas intentionally used that kiss as a signal to the chief priests and the others that he had conspired with to betray Christ. And so here's Jesus calling him out. Hey, say, Ju- Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those who were around him saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with a sword? And one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered, said, stop, no, no more of this. And he touched the ear and he healed him. Notice the slave got the, his ear cut off. It wasn't the high priest. It was the high priest slave. But Jesus healed the guy's ear. Super cool. Then Jesus said, and think about it. Here's Jesus getting about ready, getting ready to be betrayed. And he's still healing people. (laughs) I mean, that would have freaked me out, you know, I'm just saying. But anyway, but Jesus answered, said, stop, no more of this. He touched his ear, healed him. And then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come against him, have you come out with swords and clubs as you, as you would against a robber? While I was with you daily in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this hour and the power of darkness are yours. Having arrested him, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. But Peter was following at a distance. After they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter was sitting among them, and a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight and looking intently at him, said, This man was with him too. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, another saw him and said, You are one of them too. But Peter said, man, I'm not. And after about an hour had passed, another man began to insist, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. Immediately, he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he had told him, before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him and beating him. And they blindfolded him and were asking him, saying, Prophesy, who is it who hit you? Who's the one who hit you? And they were saying many other things against him, blaspheming. 
and we could go on, but I think I've already gone over my time, my half hour lead up to the Bible study. I, I just share this with you because, you know, people, if you really read the word of God, it's the religious folk you have to worry about who are going to betray you. Okay. You know, Peter, as you get into this, I would encourage you to go read this on your own later, Luke 22, and get in Luke 23 after this. Look at how the religious folks treated Christ and look at how when they were confronted with their sin and their conviction, how they reacted. Peter is our example. Judas is also our example. And I just want to leave you with this just in terms of like a, a practical application. If you have a friend who's hurt you and denied you and betrayed you in some way, and they come back to you and they've wept bitterly and they've asked for repentance and they have a soft heart and they're somebody who can admit that they've done wrong, then do what Jesus did, reinstate him. On the other hand, if you have somebody like Judas who intentionally betrays you for money, uses you, steals from you, tries to slander you and your reputation, walk away, people. It's okay to walk away. You don't have to be abused. Um, of course, there's a whole story here, but that's basically what was on my heart tonight to share. And I know Bareface is going to share something else, so I don't know if you want to add on to what I have to say or, or, or what. Hey, Sean. Nice to see you. And cutie lady, nice to see you too. And I and Barb, did I say hi to Barb? I can't remember. And whoever else is there on YouTube, I don't know who's on Facebook if anybody's there. My throat, man, is... <clears throat> I'd like to stick to the title so it doesn't okay. <laughs> go to waste. Um, ah, man. Yeah, last night during a broadcast on Twitch, there was uh, a user... Um, Do you have any comment on what I said? No? <laughs> no, right now. Not Good right job, now. Stace. Good job, Stace. Okay, thank I, you. I could, but like I say, I don't want, don't want the title to go to waste, so please don't be hurt. I'm not hurt. That's good. She's not hurt. All right. So... My throat's sore. Her throat is sore. All right, so last night uh, during a broadcast with uh, Jeff Kinley, uh, there was a user over there on Twitch. Uh, it was a lagging unicorn. It was you. I think it was you. I, I don't know if I can go back and look at the history. Maybe it was someone else. Anyway, that said that uh, dispensationalism was a drug. And for those who not may not be familiar with different ways of looking at scripture. Uh, dispensationalism is just kind of a framework of saying that, you know, different times God has done different things. There was a time that he, that he worked with Israel uh, as a nation. That was the focal point of history, uh, including the you know, coming of the Messiah, that that nation uh, brought forth the Messiah according to Scripture, and that uh, you know he came, he healed, um, he saved, uh, he was he was crucified and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and um, he ascended according to the Scriptures, etc. And uh, then because of a national rejection, not individual rejection, but a national rejection, um, 
there's a focus that went to non-Jewish people and Gentiles and you know, being the church age. And, but this, that's a, that is a limited age, if you will. And so somehow looking at how, you know, just looking at human history, especially the work of God in human history and, you know, dividing it up, you know, logically dividing it up into certain sections uh, to comprehend what's going on in the economy of God is somehow to some people crazy. It's crazy talk. And it wasn't, well, it was many years ago that uh, we were talking with some friends of another persuasion, Christian friends, um, um, some that, uh, by different persuasion, follow a different sort of uh, theology, a sort of system of theology. And uh, to them, dispensationalism was a dirty word, and that's because they had built up uh, uh, an idea of it that isn't what it is. And, well, you you say there's a different plan of salvation for Jews. It's like, huh? Like, where did you get that? Um, You know, just read the scripture and look at it. Anyway, so... (laughs) So anyway, last night, last night, um, we were, well, especially Stacy and our guest, Jeff Kinley, were talking especially about the role of Israel and prophecy and how um, in fulfillment of prophecy, we have the nation of Israel that's been reborn, born in a day, uh, a land that was desolate, a language that was dead, uh, people who were really not a people in in terms of you know any one place they were scattered you know came back in the land or continue to come back into the land the land is producing it's again a land flowing of milk and honey and uh, many other things that are fulfillment of prophecy Um, and there are so many things that we see uh, in prophecy yet to be fulfilled that uh, depend upon the nation of Israel being there once again in the land, and now it is. And so uh, we're looking to exciting things that are coming. So with that in mind, this idea that dispensationalism is a drug, and and you dispensationalists, uh, you know, preach a different, uh, you know, different plan of salvation, for Jews, I want us to look at Romans chapter 10. I'd really like to look at 9, 10, 11 to get the full scope of things. But we're just going to look at uh, chapter 10 since it's that uh, pivotal place pivotal place in between. And with that, um, I'm going to commit this time to prayer. Because I believe that any time we approach the scriptures, we should do so uh, prayerfully and carefully. So... Join me in prayer. Father God, thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, every good and perfect gift uh, that you lavish upon us. They come from you, the Father of lights. Lord, we want to be good stewards of your gifts. Uh, Certainly, uh, among the chief of those gifts, not the most chief gift, which is thine own dear Son, the Messiah, um, the Word become flesh, 
but also we have the word, uh, the spoken word become print, Lord, uh, that we have uh, in our own languages. Uh, we pray that we would receive that with thankfulness, but also be better stewards of this gift that you've given us, this thy word, which has been preserved throughout the ages. Uh, we offer ourselves in this time for you to use as you will for your glory, our good. We ask in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, before we look at uh, Romans 10, I want to turn to Philippians chapter 3 to get a little background. Uh, Paul is the author of the epistle to the Romans. And who is this Paul? Was he a Roman Catholic? After all, we have St. Paul's Cathedral. Um, you know, uh, he was a Roman citizen, and, um, but he was not a Gentile. He was a Jew, as he writes of himself in Philippians chapter 3. Picking up in verse 4 here. It says, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Or I'm, yeah, if anyone else thinks he. Alright, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisim, or Pharisim, a Pharisee, uh, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. So, speaking of his pre, I wouldn't say conversion, pre-completion uh, in coming to the knowledge that Yeshua is indeed the Messiah. You know, typical, um, uh, you know, if you say Orthodox Jewish background, uh, circumcised the eighth day as is prescribed in the Mosaic Law. Uh, of the stock of Israel, specifically the tribe of Benjamin, or Benjamin, if you want to get Hebrew about it, and I do, son of my right hand, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a perushim, the separated ones, or transliterated a Pharisee, uh, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, so it wasn't like, you know, just the opposite, instead of being uh, a part of the church, uh, that is Christendom, he was persecuting the church, and concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless, that is when it came to, as most observers would say, you know, as it come to following the law, or at least the law that is um, found outside of outside of uh, the books of Moses and found by way of extension and commentary in Talmud and uh, Mishnah, other uh, rabbinical writings, you know, concerning that blameless. Uh, of course, this is the same Paul that, write, that wrote uh, that... Um, well, actually quoting from the Old Testament of that, you know, all we like sheep have gone astray, um, that, uh, you know, by the deeds of the law, no flesh is justified in his sight. Anyway, so now, 
bringing to Romans chapter 10 and see what we can come up with here. And relatively few minutes we have left. Paul writes, Brethren, writing, so he's writing to believers, followers of Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus the Christ. He says, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Yisrael is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. Great thing. But not according to knowledge. Well, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Not according to knowledge? What about the pre-aforementioned uh, rabbinical works, you know, Talmud and Mishnah, um, um, you know, other things, commentary on the scriptures and the teaching of the rabbis. What, what do you mean, not according to knowledge? Well, he makes that clear. Uh, and the rest, and the portions of the letter that follow. He says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. You may recall Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, in Matthew chapter 6, saying, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Uh, not seek to be righteous, because uh, any honest person will tell you that the law of God that we find laid out in the books of Moses and Torah, the, the Torah, the law, um, one is not able to keep. Uh, one cannot keep the law. One cannot, you know, earn their way into God's good graces, which is why there are graces. Uh, it's not something we can earn or deserve uh, that when it comes to uh, God's righteousness, our righteousness, as Isaiah writes, is as filthy rags. Um, that, um, and I just had another verse go through my mind, but um, it went through, it didn't stop to stay. But uh, basically that, uh, that as Paul wrote elsewhere, by the deeds of the law, no flesh is justified in his sight, that there that there's no way that uh, uh, we can uh, keep uh, the law of God, not just by letter, but in spirit as well, uh, that we fall short. You know, all have, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, um, we read. And so, you know, there if we could live a righteous life, a sin, sinless life, uh, there would be no need for a Savior. There would be no need for Messiah. But Scripture is clear. Um, Old Testament knew the threat of redemption that uh, goes all the way through that we must, uh, in order to be in right relationship with God, it's God that has to initiate it. Uh, it's got to be based on His righteousness, righteousness not our own. Uh, we can't be good enough. You know, our righteousness is as filthy rags, uh, Isaiah writes. We come up short. So, 
you know, seeking to establish their own righteousness, you know, trying to live that righteous life, it, it's never going to measure it up. They've not submitted the righteousness of God. That is a righteousness that God imparts. And where is that found? For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone believes. And I'm not a fan of that translation here. This New King James and a lot of English translations also say end of the law. And I guess technically it is end in English, but it's not like the the destruction of the law. It's not Christ is the end of the law, like the um, the destruction of the law. Yeshua said, Jesus said, do not think that I had come to destroy the law, but to fill it. Um, so Christ isn't like the end of the law, like the law is done with, because it still shows us the character of God and reveals to us our own unholiness, as James writes. You know, it's like beholding our face in a, in a mirror uh, that we, you know, we see ourselves as we really are, um, our true character warts and all when we look at the word of god but the end here uh in in romans chapter 10 um it's um it's teleos in the greek it's like the the fulfillment it's like where you would um if you follow if you're looking after the righteousness of god you'll find its fulfillment you'll find its completion you'll find that the the x on the treasure map is christ the christos the messiah that is where you find the righteousness of god if you're looking for god's righteousness rather than your own then you find it in the person of messiah in the person of Christ, uh, for Christ is the end of the, you know, the X on the treasure map. You're looking, the treasure you're seeking is the righteousness of God. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, uh, where you'll end up in that pursuit of seeking God's righteousness as Messiah himself. Uh, verse 5, for Moshe, or Moses, writes about the righteousness which is the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. That if if you're gonna say hey you know I'm uh you know I'm gonna do the law well then you've got to fulfill it in letter and in spirit in every way but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven that is to bring Christ down from above or who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead uh, but what does it say well let me talk about that briefly since we have another five minutes you know the righteousness of faith speaks this way do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven like who's going to be good enough you know that who's going to um you know um you know bringing christ down to our level that you know, it's not like we can be good enough no nor who will um who will descend to the abyss, and he's, Paul is quoting from Psalms here, is that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Um, that's It's not like, from a human perspective, we're not going to, um, we are not going to be the ones to bridge the gap between man and God. Uh, the who, it's who will descend into heaven. There's no person that's going to, who will de descend. No, that's, it's not, it can't be done in our part. It's got to be God is the initiator, the author and finisher of our faith. 
Verse 8, but what does it say? That is the scriptures. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, speaking of the apostles. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with one, for, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into, unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And that's going back to um, Psalm, well come on, Randall, what is it about the, uh, talking about the, uh, the stone that, the builders rejected. Well, there's there's Psalm one fourteen, but there's another one. That, anyway, um, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So going back to the detractors. <laughs> that say, you know, there's some different method of salvation, whether you're Jew or Gentile, there's not. There's just the righteousness of God. It's never our own righteousness. We can't be good enough to measure up. Uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the righteousness of God, every one of us, whether we sh fall short by, uh, you know, five feet or five miles, no one measures up. Uh, to the righteousness of God, the holiness of God. We are by nature unholy, unrighteous. So, uh, there, the solution is the, the righteousness which, which God imparts uh, through Messiah. For, um, yeah, the word is near you in your mouth and your heart. That is the word of faith. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that is to to confess is to say the same, to actually make a profession of faith uh, with your mouth. The Lord, that is, that he is sovereign, he's ruler, Jesus or Yeshua, not just say that Jesus walked the earth, but to confess that he is Lord that he is the master, that he is the one um, to rule over your mouth, uh, to rule over your life, I'm sorry, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Not that just he was someone in the past, a great teacher, that you're going to live your pattern, your life after, you know, Lord in that way, the Buddha or someone else, but that God has raised him from the dead. It's not. It's not a thing of ancestor worship. It's not a thing of just looking to him as you know as a, a pattern for living. But God is raised him from the dead. He's alive. He is risen. He's risen indeed. It it is um, a commitment of a real time commitment. Uh, not just to a philosophy or, or, or a dogma or a theology, but to a living person, uh, the living Son of God, the God-Man, the Messiah, Yeshua. Uh, it is dedication to following Him as He lives. So, 
believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you know, confess with your mouth that he is the Lord, then you will be saved. Well, yeah, and it's not like some sort of formula. It makes sense because of righteousness of God um, is is revealed and and provided through his Messiah, the Chosen One, then the way to appropriate that righteousness is to make that one Messiah your Lord and you know, believe that he's risen from the dead, to, that it's not a con- conforming to, again, some theology or system or doctrine, but a commitment to a, a living um, person, uh, the Messiah. So that makes sense. If you confess him as Lord, believe in your heart that he is risen from the dead, then you will be saved. You will, uh, you will apprehend that righteousness, the righteousness of God. Anyway, one minute after the hour, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, start wrapping this up. I want to see if I'm missing anything out there. Quiet on Twitch, quiet on Mixer. All right. Well, I've got a lot of work to do tonight, um, preparation for meeting tomorrow. So I appreciate you all being here this evening. Uh, Or if you're watching the replay, morning, afternoon, whatever it is, thanks for tuning in. And I hope this has been encouraging to you in some way, shape, or form. If anything, if nothing else, really, to realize that... There is no righteousness which comes from any system that comes from any law um, in in the eyes of God to be in right relationship with him. Uh, the only real righteousness is not a human righteousness, but it's divine righteousness, the righteousness of God, which is found in Christ and Messiah and Yeshua. Um the Messiah. And if you confess with your mouth him as as your leader, your master, the Lord Yeshua, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that he is alive and well, uh, that you can follow him today, just commit to following him, uh, that you'll be in a right relationship uh, with God both now and forever. So with that, with that knowledge, that righteousness, God's righteousness is attainable through Messiah, through Christ, I invite you to be bold, to stand up, and to go with God, because he loves you. Good night.